the relationship between negative interest rates, wealth taxes, and inequality. Why are negative interest rates an issue? In the world of finance and economics, negative interest rates are an anomaly. Interest rates determine how much one must pay to borrow money for a period of time. A 10% yearly rate would imply that a person would pay $10 to borrow $100 for a year. In essence, they get to use the $100 now with a commitment to pay back $110 in a year. We typically expect interest rates to be positive since banks, and most people, want to be compensated for the risk of lending money out. Many of the mathematical models used to determine the value of assets like equities and bonds, require the interest rate to be positive. So, when we see the rates go negative, it gets our attention. It implies that a lender is paying someone else to borrow the lender's money. Why would a lender do that? Generally speaking, a country's central bank lowers interest rates as the economy slows down. They do this to stimulate business to borrow and invest, and to make it easier for consumers to spend. This increases the supply and demand for goods, which leads to more production, more jobs, and greater income. During the Great Recession about a decade ago, some countries decreased the rates until they were negative. The issue with this is something called a liquidity trap. You can think of it this way. If it seems like investing in a business will probably lose money, even if you are paid to borrow money, you still wouldn't want to invest in the business. Moreover, when interest rates are low, people, such as retirees, whose income are dependent on the interest they receive, have less income to spend, which reduces demand for goods and makes investing seem even more risky. What is a wealth tax? It is a tax on what you own. This is in contrast to an income tax, which is on what you earn. Of course, the more you own, the more you can earn. An example is a property tax on real estate. However, it could also be a tax on stocks and bonds and saving accounts one owns. In some proposals, what one owes is deducted from what is owned so that one pays a tax on their net wealth. How are negative interest rates and wealth taxes similar? A useful term to know is carry cost. This is the cost of owning an asset in distinction to the cost of buying the asset. For example, if you own a house, there would be property taxes, basic utilities, maintenance and landscaping and occasional repairs, which you must pay for even if no one lives there. When interest rates are negative, it is as if there is a carry cost on your financial wealth. You have to pay someone to commit to giving you back the value of that wealth. It is like paying a bank for a safe deposit box. The bank just guards what is in the box and does not use it for anything else, like making loans. This is similar to paying the government a tax on that wealth so as to fund the military, police, and judicial system required to protect your wealth from being stolen, defrauded, or conquered. It is a type of protection cost. This is related to how hedge funds worked, 
something that was referred to as 2 and 20. This meant that a client would pay the fund 2% of the assets invested and 20% of the positive returns generated. The 2% essentially covered the fixed costs of running the business, what was required to keep track of the assets invested, and paid for the labor required to make investment decisions. Who benefits from wealth taxes? That depends on what government would do with the taxes. If some of the revenue goes to help the impoverished or to better invest in everyone's health care and education, those with the least wealth would benefit. Further, if this increases the productivity of an economy without taking on more debt, it is possible that in the long run, even the wealthiest could also benefit. Who would pay the wealth tax? This depends on the details of the system. Most proposals would not tax wealth below a certain amount to avoid dissuading people from owning homes and other important assets. Politically, the most significant wealth taxes would be levied on the ultra-wealthy, those with hundreds of millions or billions in wealth. However, the narrower the focus, the less tax revenue will be collected. Depending on the wealth tax structure, the estate or death tax could be removed since whoever owns the wealth through inheritance would then pay the wealth tax. In a sense, those who get the greatest benefits from the protections afforded by our country would pay the wealth tax. Referring back to the notion of carry cost, the wealthiest benefit greatly from a strong military and a legal system that can enforce property rights. If these governmental services did not exist, even the wealthy would find protecting their assets through the private market, quite costly. How would wealth tax funds be spent? The issue of who pays a wealth tax and how it is spent is not directly tied together. How it would be spent depends on the culture, priorities, and relative myopia of the people who influence the lawmakers. The politicians and policymakers that support a wealth tax often are proposing to use the revenue to pay for better education, health care, and economic infrastructure. While this would tend to increase the well-being of the less advantaged, they are also an investment in those people's productivity. If the money is spent wisely, the economy, as well as wealth, will grow, thereby making it easier to afford these programs. How is wealth tax measured? This is one of the big challenges in a wealth tax system. Traditionally, it would be marked to a typical market value for the asset considered. For example, if a similar house in the same community sold for $500,000, then the value of your home would be about $500,000. If the stocks you own currently sell for about $100 a share, then yours would be valued the same. The difficulty with this is the prices and values can quickly change. An alternative approach would be to let owners of taxable wealth declare the price at which they would be willing to sell their assets to the government. The wealth tax owed would depend on the total value they declare. Thus, the government does not tell a household how much their property is worth, and we can expect an honest valuation by the household since if they set it too low, the government would buy it and could resell it for a gain. 
Who is in favor of wealth taxes? Progressives, which include those with both little and great wealth. It can be seen as preferable to an income tax since high income taxes dissuade people from working and or investing more, as the benefit from the extra effort and risk is reduced. Who is against the wealth taxes? Most conservatives and those that believe it is either unconstitutional or will lead to capital flight, people who move their wealth to countries without such a tax. The latter depends on the relative income tax. Very low or no income tax with some wealth tax might be better for those seeking high returns on their wealth. Have wealth taxes worked in other countries? A number of European countries have tried a wealth tax in the past, but have mostly dropped them. One of the challenges is that when only some countries have a wealth tax, those with great wealth have incentive to harbor it in countries with no wealth tax. One of the reasons property taxes are used is because it is an immobile form of wealth. It can't be transported to another country. One of the characteristics of any form of taxation is the tendency to place it on those whom are least capable of avoiding them. How does wealth inequality underlie many economic issues? If finance is about money, economics is about what money can buy. The important economic issues have to do with people who cannot get sufficient health care, education, housing, food, clean water, and air. In a market system, such as in the U.S., we buy the things we want or think we need. However, this is limited by our financial income and wealth and the prices for goods. What determines prices and quantities produced is the balance of demand and supply of those goods. When price goes down, people tend to choose to buy more. When prices go up, businesses tend to choose to produce and sell more. When quantity of demand and supply just equal, the market is said to be in equilibrium, and the associated price is the equilibrium price. So how does wealth inequality affect this? When wealth is highly concentrated, more resources will go to fulfill the demand for goods which the wealthy prefer. This is how some artwork goes for millions of dollars, because there are billionaires. The same is true for expensive yachts. However, this implies that poor families will have less wealth, which means they are not as able, even if they are willing, to demand the products they want. This keeps the price of those goods relatively low, which means businesses are less willing to produce them, since they can't make as much profit. Thus, Wealth inequality is not just about some households having more money than others. It also shows up in what businesses in a free market will produce. And that can lead to many of the economic issues we have today. Are these problems novel or have they repeated through history? The issue of inequality is not new. For example, in the late 19th century in the United States, a time of rapid invention, great wealth was being created. However, it concentrated in very few owners of businesses and land. These were sometimes referred to as the robber barons. 
We can go back further before capitalism and democracy were embraced by Western countries, when the vast majority of humans were either slaves, indentured servants, serfs, or other classes that owned little or nothing. Indeed, centuries ago, when feudalism was the dominant economic system in Europe, lords held land while vassals were granted possession of land in return for providing services, often military, and goods, crops, livestock. In turn, the serfs, who would be tied to the land, would provide a portion of what they produced. This becomes similar to our notions of an interest payment or tax on property and income, respectively. Wealth provides the potential to produce the life you want to experience, and with great inequality comes a greater share of households struggling for these experiences. The challenge is the balance between spreading wealth widely enough to avoid the poor from revolting and society collapsing, and concentrating it enough to be able to invest in new technology with the potential to expand production in the future. What are the potential unintended consequences of relying on wealth taxes and low interest rates? Low interest rates tend to lead to very large borrowing. This is not necessarily a crisis in itself. However, those rates might not stay low. When they go back up, the interest payments on all that borrowing can skyrocket, which leads people and their governments to spend more of their income on handling finances instead of the real tangible goods of life. Wealth taxes can potentially cause those who own great wealth to relocate it to countries without such taxes. This leads to less business investment and potentially lower domestic production, the type of thing associated with recessions and depressions. Are negative rates and wealth taxes a solution? That depends on the question being asked. Wealth taxes would seem to be a part, but only a part, of the solution for financing the protection of our freedoms and rights, as well as the public investment in an economy's human capital through health care and education. Since those with little wealth and low incomes have difficulty acquiring them, low interest rates also tends to encourage private investment and consumption. However, if a wealth tax is too high or interest rates become negative, it can backfire, leaving people less willing to own and invest in things required for a future full of freedom. It could be argued that all forms of wealth would need to be taxed. This means not only property and financial assets, but human capital as well. In other words, one of the most important assets that people have is their self. How much you are worth to yourself indicates how much you would be willing to invest through education and healthcare and defend your personal rights as compared to your property rights. Unfortunately, this gets into the realm of placing a dollar value on people which has serious ethical and moral issues. The irony being that when no value is placed on an important asset, it is often treated as if it has no price and perceived as having no cost in its use or consumption. 
We see this every day in the depletion and depreciation of our environment and our relationships. Two important aspects of experiencing freedom. Freedom.